It's the show the establishment warned you about. Yes, it is. It's the Dr. Tommy Show. Thank you for joining us again. This is uh, Dr. Tommy broadcasting from the free state of Florida. And if you are in the free state of Florida and you are interested in coming in this Monday, Monday, the first Monday of every month, or I'm sorry, of every May is called Melanoma Monday, according to the uh, according to whoever uh, came up with that. So Melanoma Monday is the first Monday of every May, and we are going to participate with Melanoma Monday by providing free skin cancer screening. So if you're in the area in Tampa Bay and you want to come in and have something looked at, uh, we will um, we will check it out and then make appropriate recommendations, whether it be to see a dermatologist or whether it says, you know, that's that doesn't seem like it's something very important, uh, very uh, dangerous. Uh, wear sunscreen, that type of thing. So Melanoma Monday, if you want more information, uh, go to drtommy.com and uh, you can just uh, send us a message uh, or call and uh, if you want to come in. It's free. Free for members always and then free for also anybody. So we did, we did this a few times when we were in Wesley Chapel before and we haven't done it recently and we haven't done it since we've been here, I don't think. And we've been here almost four or five years now, so it's been a while anyway i don't know this is the new big news across all the board it's breitbart gateway pundit all the different ones are reporting this and i'm sure all the quote-unquote legitimate news sources like cnn are reporting it too but the economy is contracting so that's uh one quarter now that we have and as you know or as most of you may know that the economy contracts twice in a row that is considered a recession and uh some of the headlines are funny it says uh it says unexpected contraction and uh if you've been following any of the uh non legacy news media uh that means news that's not cnn or washington post new york times blah blah, blah. people have been predicting that there's going to be a problem for a long long time because obviously things are not going well uh, when there's shortages of food uh shortages of things the food prices are going through the roof um the prices for everything are going through the roof i just bought some dirt uh, a week ago i think because we're having a new uh, concrete pad poured in front of the garage right so i had to level it out with some dirt 250 dollars for a truckload of dirt that was a week ago got another load this week because i didn't know if it'd be enough 275 dollars. so in one week 25 dollar increase and it's just getting worse and worse and worse so the economy contracted by 1.4 uh, percent i believe it said and if you continue that, that's an unexpected contraction in 1.4% in the first quarter. Uh, th- this is going to be uh, hopefully not one of the predictions that Donald Trump made that are going to come true. Because if that's the case, it'll be absolutely horrible. But uh, Trump predicted that this would be, if, if Biden got in office, we'd see the worst depression we've ever seen. So I pray that that is not the case. But what is the case is for sure is if we continue down this trend of uh, inflation through the roof and uh, economy contracting is going to be bad. It's going to be bad because it's a matter of time before businesses start shutting down. People start getting laid off. And then uh, with inflation, high inflation, high unemployment. Oh, boy. So stagflation is when there's a high uh, interest rates and slow growth or, or no growth. So we don't have high interest rates yet, but in order to combat inflation, you're going to have to raise interest rates. And so if we do that, it's, it may be bad soon. So I don't know what to tell you, except be on the lookout, be aware. Uh, I was just interested in how many of you have drive electric cars. 
Um, electric cars uh, are touted as going to be the next. Well, in some states, it's going to be the only way to get around if you have a personal vehicle is to have electric car. So, and I think in California by twenty some date, twenty forty can't be twenty thirty because that's way too close. But there's some date in the future when California there's no going to be no longer to drive. You're no longer be allowed to drive a internal combustion engine car, what we normally think as a car. And so my, my question for people who have electric cars is when you go on a long trip, what do you do? Um, for instance, this summer, we're going to drive to Georgia, uh, Helen, Georgia for a vacation, right? If I drove to Helen, Georgia on a vacation with uh, my electric car, uh, how do I have to plan to get there? Because I know I'm going to have to charge it, I presume, before I get there. And they have these electric charging stations that are you know, the super fast chargers, which is, I think, as if I remember correctly, the super fast charger charges in like 45 minutes. So that's not super fast, but it's super fast compared to charging overnight, which is what I understand is what you have to do when you have a normal plug-in at your home, right? So how do you do that? How do you travel from one state to another state if you're going on long distance? I understand if you're, I think the optimal thing for an electric car is if you commute it in town, right? If you go from, let's say, uh, Lutz to Tampa, that's about the 35 minute trip, right? You can go, you can charge your car overnight and then you go park your car wherever it is. And hopefully where you park it, your company or whoever you work has another charger there. I guess you plug it back in or do you wait till you get home? Either way, that would be optimal. You drive a short distance back and forth. You charge it at your destination and, and, and then charge it again when you get home or there's a charge for the whole day. But when you go on these long trips, how does that work? And let's say that it does take 45 minutes. How in the world are you going to scale this to where, for instance, in California, where they're going to have only electric cars right now? I was just listening to Glenn Beck and they said, you know, we already they already have brownouts there. Right. And they're not going to do nuclear uh, nuclear um, power plants because that would be not green, quote unquote, even though it is pretty much the safest according to statistics, safest way to do, do energy uh, on a massive scale like that. And it's also very uh, environmentally friendly. Uh, they have smokestacks that have steam, basically, and that's it. The only problem you run into with the nuclear power plant is if when it melts down, like Chernobyl. Luckily, that doesn't happen very often. But anyway, that would be the major problem. But anyway, back to the point is they have these brownouts, right? Now, all the time, brownouts. This is going to be the summer. You're going to hear about it in California. There's brownouts. There's people going to 100 degrees. The electricity gets shut down because they just they don't have enough electricity, and they're going to have to ration it. So when you have these brownouts now, and however many percent of cars, what's going to happen when it's 100 percent of cars? And uh, how are they going to get enough energy to do that? And it's not going to come from windmills, and it's not going to come from solar panels. It's got to come from somewhere else. So either something's going to happen, there's going to be no, uh, the, the, the date's going to come up and they're going to say, look, 2030, we were being optimistic. It looks like it's going to be more like 2040 or 2040 is going to be more like 2050 or 2050 is going to be more like 2060. And they're just going to keep pushing the ball down the street. But in the meantime, they'll get the good press of saying, look, we're here for saving the environment. We're going to save the earth and we are going to have electric cars. Here's the other thing about electric cars. All of those batteries from what I understand, the, the batteries that electric cars use in order to get that uh, that material is very, uh, what's the word for it? It's not uh, environmentally friendly uh, way to mine things. 
And actually, there's a uh, documentary by Michael Moore about green energy and green green movement in general. And I can't remember the name of it, but anyway, it's on it's on YouTube. It's Michael Moore Green Energy documentary, and he talks about how really toxic the environments are where they harvest this material to make these batteries. So all that goes back to electric cars. And I just I'm just wondering. I'm not making a criticism. I'm just wondering what is it going to be like if it comes to pass when we all are driving electric cars, which for me personally, I think will never happen. I was also thinking the other day about electric cars and saving the environment, this, that, and the other. And I was thinking about uh, species. You know, they say that you know species are going extinct now more than ever, uh, and uh, it's because of global warming. And that's what they say. And then I was thinking, well, what caused species to change, to go extinct in the past? And what caused uh, climate change in the past? If it wasn't humans, presumably, because it was, um, you know, running around rubbing, uh, rubbing flints together to make fire and things like that. I presume that that wasn't caused by our carbon footprint then. But there was massive changes in the climate. What has changed? I mean, why why was the climate change then not anthropomorphic, anthropomorphic, but now it is? Just a question. Okay, Elon Musk has made big news lately, and you all are aware of this most likely that he's trying to buy Twitter, and it's not going to be final until October. It looks like there's been a lot of pushback now from the establishment to try to make this not happen, and it's a. Uh, sometimes hysterical to see the uh, the way that they've reacted those uh, mostly those people on the left uh, to Elon Musk who who has actually said that socialism is the ideal um, the ideal situation for fairness he said that in believe in 2018 that basically that the true socialism is the only way that it could be fair and equitable and so by definition that would, if he believes that that would make him left-wing or progressive or, or liberal at least and yet uh, here he is now uh, trying to buy Twitter and because he's saying that he wants to make Twitter free speech platform he's not into censoring and he wants to only allow uh, he wants to allow any legal free speech to be on on Twitter no matter how many people's feelings it hurts and so that is um, that's that's really made a, a big stir amongst people like Joy Reid. So this is from Breitbart. It says Joy Reid uh, troll Elon Musk wants old South Africa in the '80s back. So she's she's actually uh, being kind of racist here because Musk was born in South Africa, and she's saying that because he was born in South Africa, and because he his companies have a history of open racism, she says uh, that he wants to make Twitter like South Africa was in the 1980s, which if you remember, it was apartheid, right? It was a system of segregation according to race, skin color, and uh, it was, you know, the white people and the black people and the white people had it better. And that was a big problem. And now it's no longer apartheid. But Joy Reid thinks that he's going to bring it back to apartheid. And uh, the reason why is just because I guess he's from South Africa. And according to Joy Reid, his... uh, his companies have an open history of racism. And uh, so this is just an example of how the left has really lost their minds over this Twitter thing. And like I said, it's got till October, I think, to make the deal happen. And it very well may not happen. It, and they're already floating legislation in Congress now that we need to start reining in big tech and we need to start regulating, blah, blah, blah. I even saw this one guy. I don't know who he is. 
some some uh, commentator on some one of these uh, cable networks. Anyway, he was saying that you know if if Musk gets Twitter, it's going to be a problem because Musk can make it to where there's only one party that allowed is allowed to basically speak, and then that one party can dominate the election cycle. And then we won't know until after the election cycle that this even happened because the speech is regulated or restricted. And I thought, isn't this hilarious? This guy is basically describing what happened during the 2020 election, right? And here he is as a, as a liberal, or I don't call him a liberal, progressive, and saying that this is what's going to be a problem if Musk gets Twitter is that there won't be enough voices heard. It'll only be one-sided, which is exactly the way it is now. Not exactly. It's mostly the way it is now on social media, and it's the way that they want it. That's the big, that's the underlying story with the Joy Reid and people like her is they don't want Musk to have Twitter because Musk has said that he's going to let free speech to occur, which means you're going to have a marketplace of ideas, right? And in order to do that, you're going to have to have some people have their feelings hurt like Joy Reid. And you're going to have to have some people have to hear uh, tweets that they don't like, mean tweets maybe. and this is a this is hurtful for them because they would like silence. This is the the sign of a tyrant. A tyrant is someone who doesn't want opposition, and they want opposition silenced. The sign of a tyrant isn't someone who disagrees with you. A sign of a tyrant is someone who disagrees with you and doesn't want you to speak. Uh, someone who disagrees with you may in fact in fact be a purely great person, and they just happen to disagree with you, and they and they share the the belief that you should be heard and they should be heard and. Somewhere betwixt the two, you shall find the common ground or not. Whatever the case is, these people don't believe that. Joy Reid is one of them. And I don't know uh, if I've ever even talked about Joy Reid because I don't care what she has to say in general because I don't even know what her qualifications are for anything except she's a a person who has a history of homophobic uh, ranting on the Internet who is now working for MSNBC, I think. But I just use her as a as a as an example of the leftist outrage that you've seen over this uh, Elon Musk situation. Uh, this is a weird uh, story here. This is a Kamala is asymptomatic, but taking an antiviral. So as most of you know, uh, the the uh, vice president, Kamala Harris, has been diagnosed with COVID-19. This is despite having uh, the full vaccine schedule. So I think she's had four uh, vaccines at this point, four mRNA vaccines. And it says this is from Right Scoop. Kamala is asymptomatic, but is taking a anti is it taking an antiviral question mark? Well, this is what they said. It says uh, today, Vice President Harris tested positive for COVID-19 on PCR and rapid test. She has exhibited no symptoms, will isolate and continue to work from the vice president's residence, blah, 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 following guidelines. Then later on, we hear this. This is from Kirsten Allen, whoever this is, blue check on Twitter. Today, after consultation with her physicians, the vice president was prescribed and has taken Paxlovid. So Paxlovid is the um, uh, antiviral, I believe, made by Pfizer. And according to Yale Medicine, it says Paxlovid uh, should be taken by someone within, quote, five days of developing symptoms. So as Right Scoop rightly points out there, if I was a reporter, I'd want to know if, if Kamala had symptoms or not, because they said she didn't have symptoms. And why is all this important? This is not to pile on Kamala Harris because she has COVID or to pile on anybody because they have COVID. What it is, is to call out several things about this vaccine. First, why is it a vaccine? Clearly, it does not prevent infection. Clearly, there could be no further uh, claim that this prevents infection. 
Likewise, there can be no further claim that quote-unquote breakthrough cases are rare. You remember that? Breakthrough case. This, was, this would be considered a breakthrough case. You never hear that anymore. You know why you don't hear that anymore? Because people know for sure that a breakthrough case is a, a misnomer. This is not a breakthrough case. This is a case of COVID that happened with someone who is vaccinated, which is common. It, it may be even more common than the being people who aren't vaccinated, according to some of the studies. But either way, this is not a vaccine. This is a therapeutic. This is a shot. This is a, uh, for lack of a better term, this is a, a uh, something to ameliorate the symptoms of COVID after you get them in in advance. So let's say you, you want to prevent COVID. If you, you say, like, I don't want COVID, but if I do get COVID, I don't want the symptoms to be too bad. Then you get this shot. Do not get this shot if you say, look, I want to get this shot because I want to be sure that I'm not going to get COVID and this is going to protect me from COVID because that is not shown to be the case. That's the way it was sold and that's the way we were told it was. And vaccines are supposed to prevent infection. But as we talked about before, the CDC has changed the definition of what a vaccine is to something that prevents infection, I believe they said, to something that helps support immunity, which if you use that definition, could be an antibiotic that helps support immunity. Like I said before, azithromycin, if you take azithromycin, it will, it will bind to the ribosome in a bacteria and stop production of proteins, which will henceforth make that uh, bacteria not able to reproduce. And then your body can come in with its troops, its neutrophils and everything, and just take out the bacteria, right? That's called helping the immune system. And if that's helping the immune system, then azithromycin is a vaccine, according to my calculations. Anyway, like I said, this is not to pile on Kamala, but this is to call out the antiviral, I'm sorry, the, the vaccine nomenclature. And this is also to, to, to point out further the idiocy of a vaccine mandate, a quote unquote vaccine mandate. You know, there's people here still today who have been fired from their jobs and maybe unemployed and maybe having to do with this 1.4% contraction because they did not get a vaccine because they didn't want it for whatever the reasons were. And some of the reasons may be they didn't think it would work and they didn't think it would help them uh, not get COVID. And uh, they've been fired now and they don't have a job. And there's some people that are still have a job, but they're forced to be kind of a, um, a pariah. They, they have to eat outside. We know someone who has to eat outside, has to wear a face mask at all times, in all, in all, in all uh, settings. This is this is this is interesting. There's someone that I know who went to the doctor to get a, a, a vax. I'm sorry to get a, a checkup, and the person was unvaccinated. And uh, when she went in there to get her checkup, they said, "Are right, do you have a vaccine? Do you have a vaccine? No. Okay, okay, no, no problem. No vaccine. Wear your mask. Put your mask on." She went. She went in there. She sat down with the doctor. Doctor comes in. Says hi. Usual normal. How you doing? Whatever. Leaves the door open. During the whole visit, leaves the door open, which you've never had in a doctor's office, right? Never. But the reason why was why? This person was unvaccinated, right? They're unclean. They may have the cooties. They may have the virus. And you, as a vaccinated doctor, you are not going to have the virus. No. No way are you going to have the virus if you're vaccinated, which is entirely horse excrement, as you know, because the vaccine does not prevent infection. And back to Twitter, if you had said that on Twitter before, and you may even say it now, if you, if I, I don't have a Twitter account, but if I went on Twitter right now and I said, 
the the COVID vaccine does not prevent COVID, I may still get banned because that is still the party line. It's like in 1984 where you had to simultaneously hold two conflicting opinions and believe them both to be true at the same time. That's the definition of doublethink. We have engaged in doublethink on COVID. Uh, we have to believe at the same time that COVID is uh, prevented or, or, or vaccines prevent COVID transmission. And at the same time, we have to believe that I am I am thankful for having the vaccine because now that I have COVID, I have fewer symptoms that I would have had if I hadn't had the vaccine. So you have to believe both of those things simultaneously in order to be uh, able to accept what the party line is on COVID vaccines. So, and there's people out there, like I said, who are, they have to, they have to take tests. They have to, they have to wear masks. They have to isolate. They have to be treated like pariahs. This is back to double think. They, they have to act like because they're unvaccinated, they're unclean. They're, they're, they're a threat to society. Essentially, they are a problem and we're going to tolerate them because we're good people. We're open hearted people and we need the workers. That's the other reason they're allowed to stay. We need the workers. Uh, our business is going to go out of business if we don't have these workers. But at the same time, we want to exert our uh, uh, ethic or was it moral moral high ground on these people who chose not to get the vaccine. So we're gonna we're gonna make them take tests. We're gonna make them use masks. We're gonna make them eat outside. We're gonna go make them wear a scarlet letter. But if we could, we would. And then at the same time, you got to say. Now that I've done that, because those people are unvaccinated, I also know that the vaccine is going to be good to prevent COVID. And I also, but you also have to know that if a person comes in and say it's a medical office and they get COVID and they have a vaccine, then you have to pretend like that never even, that's not even a contradiction. Because immediately I would think if I believe the, the, the thing I was talking about before, that an unvaccinated person's a danger and everything else, because they don't have the vaccine, they may prevent, they may transmit COVID. And then someone walks in and they have COVID and we test them and they have COVID and you say, well, you've been vaccinated. It would blow my mind at that point because that would destroy my whole premise of why I treated this other person so poorly. This is why I treated this other person like a pariah because they were unvaccinated. They could spread COVID to me. Now, here I have a person come in now who has the vaccine, has four vaccines like the vice president. And now she's got COVID. I mean, it's it's it's, it's idiocy. It's insanity. And it is what we're living with today. And and then she, you know, she has a, the usual things is, you know, it's like a template. Now, if you get if you've had the vaccine and you get covid, you have to say that because I have the vaccine, I'm so thankful and I'm thankful for being boosted because now I have no symptoms. Well, that's not what they said, though. That's not what they said. The reason to get the vaccine was that's not the reason people were fired for getting not getting the vaccine. The reason people were fired for not getting the vaccine uh, ostensibly was because they're going to spread it to other people. As you know, now Kamala was walking around with COVID. And as Dr. Fauci has told us, you can still transmit COVID when you don't have symptoms. So here was Kamala Harris walking around for some reason was tested for COVID. And even though she had no symptoms, I guess they're still testing every day there. Uh, And then, and then it could have been spreading COVID this whole time. So that's the other thing about vaccinated people. What if you're vaccinated and you have COVID and you go to work? You're not sick. You're not sick, but you pass that COVID along to someone else. And what if you're part? What if the person who shares a cubicle with you? What if they're vaccinated too, and you sh- and you spread it to them? And then now suddenly they got COVID. And they don't even know, and they spread it to someone else. Uh, aren't you just spreading COVID like wild? 
this is the things that they never explained to us or anybody and they never even thought about but at the same time they came down with the iron fist saying you must have this vaccine or you face these things you have to be stressed out about losing your job you have to actually lose your job you have to jump through all these hurdles you have to write up all these different things to say why i don't want the vaccine you have to explain yourself to them and now we're having this happen. It is. I hope that the people who are young today are looking at this and seeing what a circus uh, our our government is and how stupid our government can be. Speaking about stupidity, uh, this is from the White House. Uh, White House coronavirus czar Ashish Jha. More money needed for quote more effective vaccines. Here we go. This is from Breitbart, and the uh, it says it is possible that we may need. We, that we get a whole generation of vaccines in the fall or winter that may be more effective and more durable, White House COVID response coordinator Dr. Jha told reporters. It says, Jha said the Food and Drug Agency was working with Moderna and Pfizer pharmaceutical companies to develop new vaccines and urged Congress to pass more coronavirus research funding. Well, isn't that special? So here we go, back on this thing again. So is this going to ever end? Are we ever going to let it be uh, just coronavirus? And are we ever going to treat it as a, the disease that it is? Or are we just going to come always lead to this corporatism where we got to give money to companies so they can have exclusive rights uh, to not be sued and then make hopefully make their vaccines mandatory so they make even more money. And at the same time, the vaccines don't prevent infection. And here we have, go back to the thing is we, uh, we don't even know what the coronavirus. Um, we don't even know what the difference between coronavirus is. Why does coronavirus still the CDC can't tell us? Is there anything besides the things that we know of obesity and comorbidities? I mean, that's the very general findings. Uh, is there anything that makes coronavirus more deadly in some individuals versus others? We still don't know that. I don't know if we ever will. I don't think it's in their interest to tell us because their interest is just in continuing this cycle of paranoia, this cycle of constant looking, looking to the government, looking to Dr. Jaw here for, for more help. We need more help from the government to help us uh, figure out what to do with our lives because that's what they want. Uh, this is more stuff from uh, Florida. This is the Mickey Mouse hypocrisy. This is from Breitbart. Mickey Mouse hypocrisies. Disney still does big business in anti-gay countries while fighting Florida's parental rights law. Now, does anybody, did y'all know this? Because Walt Disney World, as far as I, or Walt Disney Company, as far as I know, is based in California. They are the champions of the LGBTQ plus community, right? Because they stood up to the tyrant. They stood up to the, uh, the homophobic, uh, xenophobe, whatever you want to, any type of bad person. You could say that Ron DeSantis was when, uh, he championed the parental rights law, which is the quote unquote, don't say gay bill where you're not allowed to speak to children about sex in uh, the context of school from ages or from kindergarten to third grade. That's don't say gay. That's how that translates out, right? So here it is that Disney streaming service recently expanded in 10 countries where homosexuality is still illegal. Oh, Algeria, Egypt, Libya, Morocco, Oman, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Tunisia, Yemen, Yemen, and the Palestinian Authority. And it says the streaming service is also available in Singapore where same-sex sexual activity is outlawed. And it says in Saudi Arabia and Yemen, homosexuality is a capital crime punishable by execution. 
So here we go. Disney, the the champion of LGBTQ uh, community, and yet here they are. Uh, they're expanding their streaming service rather greedily, I think, because if they stood on their principle as they are in, in Florida, obviously they're standing on principle when they come out against the uh, parental rights law, because everybody knows that you should be able to talk to a children about, um, you know, are you a boy or a girl? And, and uh, you know, that, I saw this thing on the <laughs> this. I don't know what I, I'm going to guess, but I don't know for sure that this is on the West Coast. But anyway. There was some school that had this closet for children to go in. And if you come to school, let's say your kid comes to school and the kid says, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I'm a, a boy or a girl. I don't you know, I'm not really sure. Well, then the teacher can say, look, I, hell, I'm not sure either. What do you feel like? And it's like, well, I don't know. I feel I'm wearing pants. Uh, sometimes sometimes I uh, dress in blue versus pink. Uh, peace standing up. I guess I'm a boy, but I don't know if I'm a boy or not. Maybe I'm a girl. And then they have this closet in the school where the kids can just say, well, uh, well, I've never worn a dress before. So then they say, well, here, come in here, Billy, and put on this dress. And then instead of calling you Billy, now we're going to call you. How about Suzanne? And uh, today you can be Suzanne. You can wear the dress. And then uh, probably at the end of the day, they go back, change into their other clothes and they go home. And then the teacher says, now, don't tell your parents about this because they may not put they may not may not like that. And so that's that that would be possible here in Florida if it weren't for uh, the dastardly Ron DeSantis. Uh, we can only hope. You know, the, I was reading this stuff on the global food crisis. I said that the um, the CEO of Goya Foods, who was very controversial because Goya was somehow or another uh, pro-Trump. I can't remember exactly what it was, but there's something about Goya that was uh, pro-Trump. But anyway, the CEO of Goya said that their global food crisis is upon us and that there's going to be uh, some... Um, some very bad things happen, which has been predicted because Ukraine apparently is the the fertilizer capital of the of, of the country of the world. I mean, a lot of grain comes out of Russia and Ukraine fertilizer, things that, you know, you need to make things like bread, noodles, um, you know, things like that, you know, and this is um, causing this war is causing this global food crisis, among other things. Plus, the fact that the price of things has just gone up completely, insanely. I used to be able to buy egg noodles for like uh, eighty nine cents for a big bag, which I thought was a great deal. Now it's two sixty nine or more. That's in the span of a year. You know, they say that the uh, inflation of is seven percent. Well, the inflation may be seven percent if you factor in. I don't know what you're factoring into that, but I can tell you the the, the rate of inflation is higher than 7% in most things, much higher. And uh, so this global food crisis, if this happens and this ties into this shrinking economy and everything else, like I said, more and more now it's looking like you should uh, probably start growing your own food and also investing in some chickens or some rabbits and other types of fast growing uh, protein so that you're protected against uh, all of this stuff. And also, also stock up on ammo. <laughs> if you're able to stock up on ammo for whatever your favorite uh, gear is, because when things happen, people get desperate. And when people get desperate, that's when they start breaking laws and they start coming into your house and trying to get things from you. So ammo, chickens or rabbits, gardens. 
that's the keys uh see what else there is you know the dhs department of homeland security has set up this disinformation governance board which is a scary thing because they are going to decide now the dhs what is what is disinformation or misinformation or not i'm not sure how this is going to play out here's the set here's the scary thing though uh dhs is made up of is executive branch right executive branch is the president right president's elected okay president's elected uh, Congress is elected. Judiciary, federal judici- federal judiciary is appointed by the executive branch with approval by Congress. So it all works out. DHS is part of the executive branch. Branch, however, DHS makes rules, and those rules are uh, uh, rules that are not passed by Congress. So these are laws called administrative laws that that these um, bureaucracies set up. And many times the laws that the bureaucracy set up are much more complex and, and much more meaningful into your life than the laws that are passed by your legislature, because they can get away with more because they're not, they don't have to, uh, the, the Congress doesn't have to pass a bill. So they don't have to get enough people to agree on both parties to pass a bill in one house and then pass a bill in another house and then, uh, then agree to have it, have the same language and then go to the president and have the president sign it. So the, the executive branch, I'm sorry, the bureaucracy, which is part of the executive branch can just pass these, pass these rules and these things. And in, unless someone challenges it in court, then they just go with it. So this DHS is going to set up a dis- disinformation governance board. And I can guarantee you that this is not going to be good for free speech. Back to the point of uh, Twitter, you know, that the Joy Reads of the world say that Twitter was a wild west back in the day. And, and after uh, Jack Dorsey and his buddies, they re- railed, railed us all in so that you couldn't go on there and just say whatever thing you want politically. You had to more or less walk on eggshells if you said anything about uh, one side of the political equation. And then if you said something about on the other side, you know, like, oh, maybe this laptop from Hunter Biden, maybe this is something. Then you're going to get censored and thrown off Twitter. So um, we'll see what this discover or disinformation governance board has to has to offer for us. Uh, see what else. So. This is a so th- this is a thing that we have to be on the careful for is um, upcoming uh, inflation. Be careful out there. Uh, don't spend too much money. Uh, try to get out of debt. Um, all these things are important, and especially if you're young, especially if you're young and you're in college now. This is one of the things that is good to know. The more debt that you accumulate now, the poorer you will be in the future. That seems like a simple thing. But for our college students, when you're in college and you're trying to live and you're trying to have a good time, you don't always, unless you're, you know, unless you're supported by your parents and, you know, a lot of people are, which more power to them, but a lot of kids aren't, including myself. And then you have to go through life, uh, you know, kind of make ends meet, so to speak, between loans and credit cards, maybe a part-time job. All that stuff adds up. The more debt you take on in, in um, those early years, the longer you are going to set yourself back in the long term. So my advice to young people out there is to try to be as frugal as possible while at the same time maintaining your sanity. And that can be a, um, a fine tipping point. But you do have to maintain your sanity in school and you do have to maintain your sanity. And um, especially, you know, if you're in school for a long time, like medical school, um, 
Madison, the oldest daughter, uh, just got accepted to UF for veterinary school. So she's going to be uh, going to veterinary school at UF for four years. And it's going to be the first time that she's going to have to take on debt because in undergrad she had uh, her loans and um, she had, I'm sorry, loan. She had scholarships and prepaid that helped her, but now she's going to have to take on some debt. So the important thing is, is because of this looming potential catastrophe, and I pray that it doesn't turn into a depression. But the chances are, is we're going to go into a recession soon. The chances are, there's going to be a lot of unemployment soon. And prices are still going to go up, and it's going to be a scary, uh, potentially scary time. So just be careful out there. Uh, and then just try to do your best. If you're in Tampa, come in, see us. Uh, we'll talk to you about how to take control of your health, how to have a, optimize your health, and also how to make sure that you are, have all of your uh, screenings done. One of the things that we do here is a coronary CT angiogram. We don't actually do it here. We order it. This is very important, though, for those people out there who have a family history of early coronary disease, meaning heart attack. If you have a family member and you're a man or a woman, you have a family member, primary first degree family member like father, mother, brother, sister, or even grandparents, I think I include in this, who had either a diagnosis of coronary disease, meaning they had a hardening of the arteries of their heart, or if they had a heart attack in their 50s, that's considered early coronary disease. If you had that, uh, I would recommend highly getting a CT angiogram, which will look at the coronary vessels. If you haven't had, I'm sorry, even if you haven't had that in your family, it's not a bad idea to have it, and it costs $300, which is not not nothing, but it's still very cheap when you're talking about medical tests. And with that test, you get a, a picture of your heart. And if you go on drtommy.com, you can actually see the picture of what the heart looks like. That's actually my heart that I had done a few years ago. And it was clean, thankfully. But I had a family history of my uh, both sides of my family, or not both sides, my father's side of the family on both sides of his his side was strong history of coronary disease and cerebrovascular disease and then himself included. So I got scanned and I'm clean. So that's good. Doesn't mean I'm always going to be clean. Doesn't mean I can just start smoking and, you know, eating whatever I want now. But it is helpful to know that anyway. If you're in the uh, Tampa area and you want to find out if your heart's clean, uh, you can come in and see us and we'll order that for you along with other things with our concierge medicine practice. And then come in to see us on Monday, this Monday, the 2nd of May, if you want to have a screening for uh, skin cancer. Okay. So it's good to talk to you guys. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. 